Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. We don't let friends feed kibble. Correct, Amundo, Dr. Right. Jasek? Every day of the week, no kibble. That's right. Is your goal health? Right. What What is your goal? Why are we moving away from kibble? Um. And and how long do you think that you can you know eat processed foods and be healthy? My dog is sixteen and a half. He's still eating raw. He's slowing down. He's you know he's my little old man. You know doesn't walk as well, but. You know, he still seemed pretty happy, pretty, pretty comfortable, you know, just, you know, not, not doing as much as he used to, but you know, that, that happens as they age, but you know, he, he still eats. I spoil him and hand feed him a little bit now and then helps him, you know, encourage him to eat a little bit, but you know, he's hanging in there at 16 and a half with really no medical problems to speak of, you know, he's just kind of, you know, slowly, slowly aging, but you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. You know, I'm not treating cancer in him or anything like that. He's been on raw his whole life. I adopted him at a year. So, you know, we're 15 years into raw, no vaccines, no, no, nothing. None of that stuff that we recommend against. I haven't given him um, any of that stuff. And, you know, here, here he is napping by my side as, as we speak. Oh, Wiley. <laughs> it's Wiley, right? That That's Wiley. Yeah. yeah Wiley. And you just got him a new stroller. He got a stroller. Yeah, he can't, he really can't walk very far. And we did a little traveling over the weekend and took him with, I, I he, he's kind of, he is kind of special needs, you know, and he's like, always kind of wants to know where I am or where my husband is, you know, if one of us is around, he's like, okay, got my people. I'm good. Um, so it's hard to leave him. So I took him with, and we were in a motel and we had a second floor room. So um, the stroller made it really nice because he couldn't have walked that far to like to go down to go potty. Um, but he's still, you know, continent and everything. Yeah, he has an accident every now and then because he can't hold it very long. But as long as I get him out, you know, on a regular basis, um, he's fine. Nice, normal, nice, normal poops. I just push him down in the stroller. He was like, you know, very popular at the motel. <laughs> Cruising oh. the motel his little, <laughs> his little stroller to go out to the, uh, to go out to the potty area. But you know, to me, to me, he's a, he's a testament of this way of treating our pets. Like, yeah, he's 16 and a half, you know, he's doesn't run around like he did when he was two, but you know, he's bright, is bright in his eyes. He still sees, you know, he looks for me and he doesn't hear quite so well, but you know, he's, you know, he's okay to me, you know, for an older dog, he's, he's leading a good quality of life. Yeah. That's what we want. We want dogs that lead a good quality life. And when that can no longer be done, then it is time to 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 let them go. Right. But they right. will let you know if they can't get up and they can't eat and they can't go potty, then they don't have much of a life. Right. And uh, and that's so hard. It's hard on all pet parents, no matter how, oh. you know, 
how how Absolutely. ready they are. We're never ready. We're You're never, never ready. ready. As I always say, it's one of the cruel injustices in life that we outlive our pets because it's like it's like losing a child. You know, it's it's very hard, but you know, we don't want to be without them either. So we accept that that part. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about some questions that have come up uh, through our chat site, which I thought would be fun to have you answer. This one, this one is from Paula and Paula says, my vet says, be careful of raw. (laughs) Okay. And uh, she's shocker. We didn't know they (laughs) felt that way. Uh, She said, should grain be inclusive? And then she says, uh, my dog, Tom, gets 700 calories a day and Stevie gets 550. Is your food grain inclusive? Well, okay. We don't, we know that your vet says be careful of raw, but the thing, and then the whole grain issue, Dr. Jasek, I mean, that got debunked, what, earlier this year Mm -hmm. or was that late last year? The whole grain thing was totally debunked. What would you say to people who said, should grain be in the dog's food? Because my vet said it should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say no, it shouldn't, but the, but, but then I do explain where that comes from, you know, there was this whole propaganda campaign for the last, I don't know, like five, six years or longer about how dogs need grains to have a healthy heart. And so they started looking at uh, dogs with cardiomyopathy, which is a form of heart disease. And they found that a lot of dogs were on that were getting it were on grain-free diets. But what they did is they lumped together what they call the like boutique diets, which included grain-free kibble, raw, dehydrated, freeze-dried, canned, everything except foods with grain. Well, that's not, those foods are not similar. Grain-free kibble is not the same as feeding raw. And in fact, I think probably what was going on was that the the non-grain ingredients in the grain-free kibbles were part of the problem. So all kibble has to have a ton of starch in it, you know, because they need the binders. So the grain-free kibbles have things like beans, peas, lentils, pea protein, all that. All those, they're just other starches. Well, I think those ingredients, I think one of two things, either those ingredients maybe interfered with taurine absorption. So taurine is an amino acid that is very important. I mean, we know proper amino acids and especially taurine is very, very important for heart health. So I think either those ingredients um, affected the normal absorption of taurine or they weren't putting enough in those diets. But I'll tell you, the second I heard that come out, I'm like, well, duh, let's just feed raw because what's the best source of, of taurine? is fresh meat and especially the organs. I mean, you want to have a healthy heart, feed heart, you know, like feeds like you want to give the proper nutrition for a healthy heart, feed some heart. And, you know, in addition to the, you know, other organs and, and the meat. So I, you know, explain where this propaganda came from. And, you know, unfortunately, now that it has been debunked, they have shown that the veterinarians that put out some, some of this early research saying that dogs needed grain were actually working for the pet food industry. And there's really never been any definitive proof that this is the, this is the case that the, um, the dogs um, do need 
grains. But unfortunately, once this propaganda got started, and it's huge with the cardiologists, you know, people that go in for echoes and, you know, things, they're, they're really told we got to feed feed grain. Once this stuff starts, um, it's just hard to get it out of people's minds. It's like, you know, they just get in the habit. Oh, dogs need grain, dogs need grain, dogs need grain. Well, it it isn't true. And in my opinion, it couldn't be, couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-mm. And so people, they get really upset about that. They want grains. If you want grains, you're probably going to have to go someplace else because we do not put grains in the food uh, for that very great explanation that you just gave. All right. The next thing on the list here is calories. And Dr. Jasek, I'm always, I always have to laugh when people say my dog needs this many calories. And I have to say, how do you know? Because we don't know the metabolic output of our dogs. How would you know how many calories you need? But the real question I have to ask when they say that my vet says my dog needs 550 calories, the question is, does your vet want that calories in protein, fat, or carbs? And I I don't know about you. I've never looked at calories because in the raw diet, in a pure raw diet, like what we have here at Raw Dog Food and Company, there are no carbs, unless you're doing the 7% fruits and veggies out of the HVMs. Okay, so it's very small. But the only calories that you have are fat and protein, mm-hmm. right? And so if that is the case, and we have our fat levels in line, 10 to 12 to 13%, somewhere in there, and your dog looks good, then I would contend we don't need to deal with calories. Right. Right. Because a calorie is not a calorie. It's like you were saying, it's very, very different depending on where it, you know, what, what, what source it is, if it's, if it's a carb or a protein or, or a fat. And yeah, I don't, I don't go by calories either. Cause I think that's, very misleading. I mean, I, I used to do that myself for myself personally, you know, it's like, well, you eat a certain number of calories a day and I, and I always felt miserable. And then I started transitioning. I started getting off the carbs myself personally. I feel so much better if I'm not on, um, processed carbohydrates. I don't even need a lot of fruit. Um, anything that turns into sugar, I just feel so much better if I don't eat it. But I, I was also on a very, low fat diet. Cause that's what, you know, that's what they tell you. Low fat, you want to maintain your weight and all that low fat, low fat. Well, I went to a high fat diet. If I figured out my calories, I would probably freak out because I eat so much fat now, but I feel great. And I'll tell you what I, tr- I like trimmed out. Like I lost, when I went to a high fat diet, I lost body fat. So I started focusing on what I was eating, eliminating things that didn't make my body feel good and getting off of, of course, processed carbs and like breads and all that yummy stuff. Um, but I just feel so much better when I don't, I don't um, eat it and I have more energy and I literally lost body fat. So I, I let go of the whole calorie thing and just looked at, okay, what am I eating and what ingredients feel best in my body? And I think it's, that's important for pets in feeding a species appropriate diet. It's not about the calories. It's about what, what are we putting in their body? You know, the, the, the source of the calories, that's way more important. And I go, I I mean, I start with a percentage of body weight. That's, that's usually what I do. If I know they're on a balanced blend, you know, that they're, 
and they understand about rotation and everything. And then, you know, we start there and then, you know, we see how the pet does, you know, if they need more, you feed them more. If they get too chunky, they have a low metabolism, then we feed them less growing puppies need a ton more, you know, they, they're really, it's really hard to pick an amount for a growing puppy because they're growing and their needs are constantly changing. So, you know, you watch the dog, if puppy seems thin, then bump it up a little bit, or, you know, if they get too heavy, then, then knock it back down. But I think, you know, we shouldn't get locked into the numbers. We always have to remember to, to watch and see how, how is the pet doing? Yeah, absolutely. And and there are so many people out there that, uh, at least in our circle, you know, that talk about the high protein, no to low carbs is, is absolutely going to produce better weight loss in dogs while retaining their lean body mass. And that's what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when we're talking about calories, if that is the avenue that you're pet professional is taking, ask them, what kind of calories do you want? And if they want carbs, that's not going to be good for your dog. There's a lot of questions that we need to learn to ask, not just say, oh, okay. Right. Because right. that you have to take it apart. What kind of calories do you want? When I, when we asked this pet parent to, to, you know, what kind of calories they want, we did not get a response back, but that that is a question, all right, that we need to ask. But you and I did a podcast many years ago where we said, you said, look, pet parents can relax. We don't see salmonella issues in raw dog food. Would you still agree with that? Mm-hmm. Even though that was years ago when we did that podcast? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, if well, first of all, if if raw food were so contaminated or that was a likelihood we'd be seeing it show up and i transition dogs to raw all the time i mean that's that's what we do here i mean that's a big part of every treatment plan is making sure the pets are on a fresh food diet and if raw were dangerous or even even over you know because i deal with people in other areas and they might be feeding different types of raw or different different brands you know that if they're not you know here in Colorado, or they don't want to have it shipped, they want to buy locally or whatever. But there's there's a spectrum of raw foods that are being fed. And if they were inherently dangerous, I, I mean, I've been practicing for 35 years. I would think I would be seeing pets get sick because I just look at the trends and I see the exact opposite. I see pets getting healthier on raw. I see them way sicker on kibble and other sorts of diets. So if raw were inherently dangerous, we'd, we'd be watching our pets get sick and we we don't see that. So that tells me not, not only is it safe, but it's it's beneficial. And dogs that have a healthy digestive tract, they have a healthy uh, stomach acid content. They should, their stomach should be very acidic. Um, even if they, you know, there was some bacteria that could maybe cause a problem, the acid in the stomach's going to take care of it because that dogs, again, are natural scavengers. They eat shit, literally. I mean, dogs can go out there and eat poop and not die from it. Why is, why is raw food seen as being so dangerous? Well, 
that is always the question, isn't it? And we have forgotten that these are animals, right? Just like what you said, the, the, the we can't go out and eat poop. <laughs> right. I don't really I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, let's don't do that, right? I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, but it, it it is just um maddening that the vets are still pushing that idea. Just like you know, this pet parent who said, um, my vet said that you know I should beware of raw now. I think what happens, Dr. Jasek, is we do see people who are feeding raw have issues with their dogs. But the question is, is the issue coming from the food? Is it coming from the way that they're feeding the food? Or is it coming from things that they're adding into the food? Mm -hmm. Right? Or does it have anything to do with the food at all? For instance, if you are feeding raw, but you're giving flea and tick heartworm, you're doing all the vaccines like every good parent should do when they listen to Banfield. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> um, then, then I'm not certain that the raw food can override the toxins in the body, right? So there's, there's other things that are happening. Um, but I always wonder, what do these pet parents think that are feeding kibble that have issues with their dogs that have dogs who are sick and that go in and that die or have, have to have surgeries. Do they ever make the connection there? Are they ever asking, is there something in the kibble? Right? So we can, we can look at it, but a plus B doesn't always equal C, right? Just like we did the podcast where we talked about perineal hernia, you know, and unfortunately I got the information back from the parents where they put the dog to sleep. They said yeah. that 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 the surgery was going to be over ten thousand dollars. A surgery is going to be over ten thousand dollars. And this dog was seven. Uh, he was on a raw diet, but he got this hernia, and he couldn't poop. The first vets that they saw said, "Oh, it's because of this raw food." Come to find out. He had a hernia back by the uh, the anus there. If it had been diagnosed properly from the get-go before, you know, when you have a hernia, you have intestines. And I think the last thing you sent me, the bladder, it actually started to work its way out into this hernia. So the hernia over time was becoming much more extensive and more of a problem for the dog. So not only is it, you know, harder to fix, but the dog's more debilitated going into surgery. So it's a, it's a higher risk surgery. If they had diagnosed it appropriately, right from the get-go, you know, rather than just blaming the bone and the raw, then it might not have been as expensive. And, you know, the dog might've been able to be helped. So here's a question. Why, why can't bone cause a hernia? Let me say it that way. Could it cause a hernia? I, I, I don't see how, I mean, a hernia is a breakdown in the muscle tissue and that can happen for a variety of reasons. A lot of times there's like a genetic predisposition. Some breeds seem to be more predisposed to hernia, or if there's some sort of trauma, obviously that could, you know, cause this rent in the, in the muscle tissue. But even, even if a dog say got constipated, like my experience, the worst thing 
that happens with the bone is that if if there's a little too much bone, so they're they're feeding maybe like your like PMRs are a little higher in bone, and it's just a little too much bone for that individual. Again, we're looking at the pet. How is the pet responding? And they're straining. So they go out and, you know, I, I always tell people it's normal for the poops to be white and kind of dry and crumbly. That's normal as long as the dog doesn't have any trouble pooping them out. If they're straining, like they go out to go and they're in the position and they just have a hard time passing, then they're a little constipated. And so then, you know, add in a little extra organ, a little extra trite just to soften up the stool a little bit. But I've I've never seen that cause a hernia. I, I mean, that kind of straining is not going to cause um, a hernia. I I just I just don't see that happening. It's it, again, it's like if that were the case, we'd be seeing dogs running around with hernias all the time. And perineal hernias are very rare. I haven't even heard about one in you know quite a few years now. Um, used to see them more in like some of the small breeds, like Shih Tzus and Lhasa Apsos seem to be a bit more predisposed to them, but um, we don't see them. And if this was caused by raw feeding by the bone and the food, we'd be seeing dogs showing up with hernias all the time. And, you know, we're, we're not. So to me, this is a unique set of circumstances. This particular dog ended up, you know, with this, uh, with this hernia, but I, I mean, you know, I, I doubt that the, all the wolves out there are running around with, with hernias because they'd all be dead, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that some people think that a, um, a dog can develop a hernia from straining. I mean, I've seen, you know, you know, I have worked on seriously constipated animals that like literally they end up needing to be sedated and you have to go in there and dig the poop out. Um, see that more in cats probably than in dogs, but have seen it chronically straining. Um, I don't see hernias showing up from that. So no, I don't think that's the case. And, you know, one of the things that you could do, I would say, you know, stop feeding them, give them bone broth, uh, do the things that you said, you know, maybe you go to a boneless for a little bit. Um, there, There are some instances where people are giving too much bone. It, and but I think that you recognize that pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. You, and so you want to stop what you're doing at that point and address it. Meaning, add organs, um, feed just tripe for three days. You could do that. You could feed mm-hmm. just tripe. There's no bone in tripe. Uh, you could do bone broth. There's a lot of things that you can do to address that situation. Uh, before it gets to that point, right? And mm-hmm. and a lot of people ask me, how much bone should I give to my dog? How much bone can they have? And I say that's really uh, varies by dog and varies by what blend you're feeding. But you know, I don't give my German shepherds a whole bone, like a beef neck bone or something that they can consume more than maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. And I know some folks, Doctor Jasek, that are literally every time they go to work. They give their dog a bone outside to keep them occupied during the day. Now, I w- I probably wouldn't do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I can't. I'm not there to supervise if anything happens. I don't want them gnawing on a bone all day because of their teeth. Okay, I don't want them gnawing. You know, gnawing the teeth down. Um, 
and for that that uh, poop factor. I don't I don't want them, you know, getting constipated. That's too much bone. Right, right. And it will again vary with the pet. You know, watch your pet. But yeah, there is a point where you you can give you you know you you can give too much bone. I again, I don't think that's going to cause hernias, but um, definitely can make it a little hard for them to poop. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's super, it's super, you know, easy to adjust. It's always just a tweak. We say that it's not difficult at all. All right. The last question that our our comment that came up uh, that I'd like to get your input on this particular uh, pet parent decided that they were going to stop doing raw. They'd only been on raw for um, one order. So two weeks. And they said, well, my dog is having a hard time transitioning. My dog is throwing up and I've done my research and therefore I'm going to quit. You know, what we say is this, is there anything else going in there? Are there processed foods? Are there, you know, toppers? A lot of people really love these toppers um, and they don't make that connection that these can cause real problems. Um, What would you say about dogs that cannot seem to transition. Now, that's a loaded question, Dr. JC, because there's so many factors that you and I don't know. But by and large, there's not a dog out there that should not be able to eat raw. Would I be correct in that statement? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think when I hear that, the first thing I think of is, okay, this dog's digestive tract has been damaged. Because you're right, it's a natural food for dogs. And the majority of dogs take to it great, do phenomenal, love it, no problem. These, the vomiting dogs, the dogs that people come back and say, why start around my dog is vomiting. To me, their their normal appropriate digestion has been damaged. And I think one of the things that can happen is um, not enough acid in the stomach because we want that high acid content. So I always make sure that they're not on any antacids, these acid blockers. So Pepsid, Omeprazole, I mean, you know, any, any famotidine, any of these um, acid blockers will affect their ability to digest the raw because they don't, they need that strong acid to break down the, the meat and bone. And they, you know, if they don't have that, they are going to have problems and, you know, could lead to, you know, vomiting or being a little more um, irpy or whatever. And, and, and I think too, that's another time I look at the supplements, you know, as, as you know, we were talking about people like to add a lot of things in to the food. And I, in my mind question, well, could some of those things be neutralizing the acid or making the acid less effective? So I pull out all any, any other additions, you know, just stick with, um, the the straight raw. And then I do have some herbal blends that I use to help support normal digestion. And a very simple thing is a little ginger tea. Um, if you want to just try something at home, if your dog's having a hard time adapting ginger, you know, it's anti-nausea. Now people will take ginger or ginger, drink some ginger tea. If you've got an upset stomach, it helps improve the digestive function of the stomach, improve that acid production and the motility. So sometimes if the gastric motility is not the way it should be, the food just sits in there too long and kind of stagnates. It should 
go into the stomach, be in there for a little while. The acid starts breaking it down and it should go off into the intestines pretty quickly. So if that's not happening, then we need to help support that process. So a little ginger tea, um, sometimes a little apple cider vinegar will in, in the food will do the the same thing. And then again, I've got herbal blends that are specifically designed to help support the, um, support the digestion. And, you know, sometimes, you know, if you want to try a boneless blend for a little bit, you just need to be sure you're adding in something for mineral. So I recommend, you know, the better bones from four leaf Rover, because it's just the most natural mineral supplement because it's just dried bone. And you could try the boneless blend because maybe until we get the digestion up to par, maybe those bone pieces are a problem. Maybe they can't break them down because they do hear a lot of people say when the dog vomits, they vomit the bone. Well, if the acid production is not correct and the motility is not correct in the stomach, maybe those bone pieces are sitting in there too long and irritating the stomach. But the problem is not the food. The problem is the dog's digestion has either been damaged or it's just a dog with, you know, weak digestion. We all have our weak links, right? We have the part of our body that, you know, that's where stuff shows up when we're stressed or something is off, you know, we might have digestive issues or some dogs, you know, symptoms might show up elsewhere, but if they just are an individual that maybe has weak digestion, well, they just need a little bit of, um, of extra support. And so that's where I, I go with that, but going back to kibble is not the answer because you're just, you're just depriving the dog of, um, of the good nutrition. And, you know, that's, that's, that's never a solution in my opinion. Well, listen, you can get over to ahavet.com. You can get a teleconference uh, session with Dr. Judy Jasek. You can Zoom with her. You can ask her questions about uh, your dog's poop because she's an expert in poop. And uh, you can ask her about um, about all types of food that may be uh, best for your dog and also the herbs, right? So some natural, mm-hmm. uh, resources and, and Dr. Jasek is, is a true holistic vet. <laughs> okay. So we're not a faux holistic vet mm-hmm. and, uh, we find it best if we go the, um, the holistic route, if we're going to move into a, um, a better, uh, nutritional line for your dog, then we got to do it all the way around. That means stop putting the toxins in the dog. What is an alternative? I know some of you live in areas where there are fleas and ticks, there are uh, mosquitoes. So there are alternatives to that without having to poison the dog every single day uh, or every month or at least once a year. Right. So we and we de- we don't want to do those once a year uh, things because those are time released. We're sure, we don't want to do those. Um, get over to ahavet.com where Dr. Judy Jasek can help you. Uh, she has a lot of great information on her website and get your dog on a species appropriate diet. It's super easy to do that right here at rawdogfoodandcompany.com. Uh, we have a great learning center. We have a button that says I'm overwhelmed. Feel free to hit that. We have a chat session. Uh, there's email. There's all types of ways that we can help you get your dog 
clean, healthy, and happy today. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and friends don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you soon, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap. Woo! <laughs>